Well, good morning and welcome to Tri-Cities Church. I'm Wesley. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, I just have to share with you just a, just a tad bit, and I would like to share with you more personally. Maybe sometime we can sit down over a cup of coffee. Um, but they were singing that song, and that song is very powerful. And it's powerful for me and my story as well as um, I, I just, my mind was wandering back to a night that I sat on the edge of my bed and I um, gave myself away to God. And I said, I prayed this prayer to God. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't really get this thing, right? I, I'm not quite sure what it means to be a, a follower of Christ or what it means to be a Christian. I don't really get this. Um, but I've been involved in the church and I've been there and I've heard the stories and I've seen the lives of others. And I want to be used by you. And I remember praying that prayer one night. And this was not the course or the direction that my life was headed at that time. And it turned around and it headed in a new direction, um, which led me to a place that for me at the moment was unthinkable, a place that I never thought I would be. And, um, and so I stand before you as, I, as we sing that song, I give myself away saying something powerful. God does something powerful when I, with our lives when we give them away to him, um, because with him they're safe and they're secure. Amen. Well, I just have a couple of announcements for you before we get into the message. Um, in the back, or at least you should have been handed one of these when you came in the door, and we have some more in the back. This is just a, um, it's a thing to take notes on. On one side, it's our series, Beyond Belief, that we're in. And then on the other side, it has questions for consideration and conversation. These are questions that you can enter into conversation with one another around. These are questions that you can take and share with some of your friends and enter into conversation around. Typically, this is what we use for our small groups. Um, so we have what we call city groups that uh, meet in the, the three cities, um, Hapeville College Park and East Point. But for the summer, they are, are not meeting. They're on summer break. And um, But the, these are normally questions that we use for those. But they're just questions to go deeper into the message that we discussed on Sunday morning. And so... Um, uh, I encourage you to just d dig deeper into these, maybe do a couple a day or three a day, and it'll help reinforce what we talk about on Sunday morning. It'll help you to answer any questions that you may have, and it also helps you to grow uh, in your knowledge of the scriptures and what um, God's will is uh, for your life. Another thing is this, in the seats, I think they're in every other seat, there's these connection cards. And they just have a place for you to put your information on the, on the front of it. Put it as much as you feel comfortable placing there. But um, we're, not, we're not, like, popping up at anybody's house or anything like that. So uh, we will not use this uh, for that, nor will we sell your information to uh, people that want to call you or send you all kinds of stuff that you don't want in the mail. Um, but, uh, but just, and at the bottom, it's just a way of just saying, hey, I want to know more about Tri-Cities Church, or um, I want to know more about city groups, um, or becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. This is one of the ways of taking a ne next step at Tri-Cities Church is, um, is by filling this out. Um, it's one of the ways. Uh, another, there's another way, which is simple. Hey, Wesley, I, I want to know more about Tri-Cities Church. That's, that's an easier method. Uh, but if you'd like to fill one of these out, you can place it in the offering um, after the message when we take communion, these buckets around the room. That's what that's, that's, what that's for. All right, so we're continuing our series this morning, Beyond Belief, Next Steps in the Christian Life. We started off talking about if we focus too heavily on any one thing, everything else becomes blurry, right? Everything else that's surrounding. And so we focus heavily on conversion, on right belief, and then we don't focus too much on what comes next in the Christian life. And so the goal of this series is simply to answer that question, I believe, now what? I believe, now what? What am I supposed to be doing? And so we're talking about beyond belief. This morning we're talking about 
uh, discipleship. Discipleship. Let's pray before we get into the message. God, we're thankful for, um, for your word um, that we have the opportunity to read. God, we're thankful for this uh, space um, that we've been afforded the opportunity to gather in. God, we thank you for faith um, that you establish in us and give us opportunities to live it out. God, we're even more thankful that we get to do this, to live out our faith, to read your word, to gather publicly without fear of persecution, without fear of any threat or danger. And so, God, I pray that you help us to celebrate that freedom by living out our faith, by gathering publicly, by reading your word daily, that we might become the people that you've called us to be and grow up into our faith. Please help us hear your word this morning. It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. I still remember the day when I was in, um, I was in high school. I think I was a sophomore, and I saw this sign on the side of the hallway as I was going to class. It was probably late to class after I saw this sign. It was advertising apprenticeships, and they had this whole list. I mean, it had to be nearly 100 different apprenticeships. It was this new program that Fulton County Schools had started. And I scrolled down the list of apprenticeships because my dream, and anybody that knew me growing up, knows that my dream was to be an auto mechanic. That was what I, I lived to do, was to work on cars. And so I scroll down this list, and I find auto mechanics. I write down the number. I call the number. I go to this shop, this auto shop, right? I go to this shop. I walk in in my suit and tie. You know, I'm going in for my interview. I'm all fancy. I'm the only guy in there that's dressed up. And I go in this auto shop, and I interview, and then I find out I got the job. And that began two years of working as an auto mechanic. Uh, I think I began at the age of 16. The interesting thing about that is I knew absolutely nothing. I didn't know one thing about working on cars. The depth of my knowledge was I, I was a, um, do y'all remember Lowrider Magazine? <laughs> You might still make it. Lowrider Magazine back when 13-inch wheels and hydraulics ran, right? Do y'all remember that? The smaller the wheels, the better. Right? I would read those magazines cover to cover, right? Because I loved cars. That was what I lived for. And so I got this job as an apprentice at this auto shop, and I began to work. And you can imagine this 16-year-old standing around this greasy coffee maker talking adult things with a bunch of mechanics, right? This was a very interesting, I'm telling you, I had some very interesting conversations there. Um, and my entire time was there was, was beneficial for me um, as I encountered some things. I learned some things that were good for me. I probably learned some things that were not so good for me as well. And I learned to work on, on cars. Um, that was a good time for me. As I think about it, I think about what it means to be an apprentice. That night that I gave my life to Christ, I'll put it that way, that I said, I give myself away. I give myself to you, God. That changed me from that journey to a different journey that I had never expected. And as I look back on my time there at the auto shop, and as I learned what it means to be a disciple of Christ, I realized that being an apprentice is much like being a disciple of Christ. And so 
as I think back on my journey as a as an auto mechanic, as an auto apprentice, there's at least four. Now, I was the first apprentice that this shop ever had. They had absolutely no strategy, right? I walk in here on my first day, nobody wanted to touch me, right? They thought I was going to tear something up, break something, blow something. I mean, there's gas, there's oil, there's flammable things all over auto shops. Nobody wanted to touch me. I, it was like hands off, right? People didn't even really want to talk to me. Here's this little high schooler. And so as I think back on that experience, I, you know, it's much like discipleship, the way Jesus did his disciples, and I think it, I see at least four stages or four phases of my time there as an apprentice. The first was just watching, right? It was you sit there, watch me. Don't touch anything. Don't touch my tools. Don't touch this car. You might break it. And I don't want. And they were right because when I finally did touch a car, I broke many, many things. I tell people the joy of working at the auto mechanic is that you have a parts department that whatever you break, you can replace it with. Um, and so it was just watching. I mean, I went for weeks just watching people work on cars. I, and I was learning as I watched, but I wanted, I, I got the job there so I could touch a car. Please let me touch a car, please. Right? But I watched. The first thing I did was I just watched. Second thing I did was I, I learned about working on cars. My manager from time to time, when I would probably become annoying and nobody really wanted to be around me, would send me off to some corner with this huge book. It was a spiral notebook, like a three-ring binder. He would send me off to this corner and say, hey, go read this. And I would go over, off in this corner and I would read this book. And I was learning about how the systems in a car worked. And I learned how they worked, but I knew how to fix things, but I had never done it. I, I didn't have any real experience. I could tell you how to do it, but I couldn't actually do it myself. And so I watched first, then I began to learn as I read in this book, sitting in this, this hot shop, this smelly shop, just sitting there reading these, these books. And so I, I learned uh, from reading how to be a mechanic. And then I began to participate in the work, right? Finally, somebody let me join them on the job, and this is how it began. Hand me that screwdriver. Hand me that screw. Yeah. Hand me that flashlight. Shine it right here. Okay. Right? And then go get me something to eat out the vitamin. I mean, that was pretty much it, right? And it was, hand me this, hand me this, hey, go get me this, you know. And th that's what I did for a while, right? I was handing people things, and then and maybe screw this screw in, and then I'm done. That's all you can do. Screw that one screw, right? Because you might break something. And so I began to participate, and over the course of time, my participation increased. And then finally, they, I get to this part where they unleash me to do it myself. Right? At first it starts with oil changes. And here I am. I mean, I would, I would get off of work and my shirt was covered in oil. I would take the plug out. And that is, first it started with oil changes, right? They let me do that. And then it, it evolved into the glorious world of changing alternators and, and things like that. Um, and, uh, and becoming greasy and having dirt under my fingernails, right? It was a wonderful time for me as an auto apprentice, right? Um, but, that's much like the way Jesus made disciples. When we look at the story of Jesus, we see that Jesus called disciples to come and to be with him um, and to learn from him because an apprentice is a person that learns from an experienced individual, an expert, somebody who has experience. They learn hands-on with an individual. They study under that individual. And Jesus called these guys to do the same thing. Essentially, an apprentice or a disciple, which the two are synonymous, they're students. It's a student. It's one that's learning from another. And all kinds of fields have apprentices. You could be a, a pastor. You can be a, a 
apprentice to a pastor or to a doctor or to a lawyer or to a musician. All kinds of fields have apprentices. But the beauty and the glory of being an apprentice is that you don't have to have it all together. Right? You can be very incompetent because you're a student. And so we have to be careful not to make disciple into something up here when we talk about it in the church. But a disciple could be, I'm pretty rough around the edges, right? I'm just coming out of this life or I'm still in it in some ways. And I'm trying to figure out what this means to be following Jesus. And I just want to take this, this step. And, and I'm hoping that it leads to another step. And I'm hoping that it leads to a life of following, following Christ. But I'm pretty rough around the edges. And that's the joy of being an apprentice or a disciple, is that we can be because no student has it all together. That's why they're a student. They're there so that they can learn. I love this quote by Dallas Willard. He says, now people who are asked whether they are apprentices of a leading politician, musician, lawyer, or screenwriter would not need to think a second to respond, right? When they're asked, they don't even need to think a second to respond. They know that they are. Similarly, for those who are asked if they're studying Spanish or bricklaying with someone unknown to the public, right? They don't need to think about it. If that's what you're doing, you know that's what you're doing. It's hardly something that would escape one's attention. The same is all the more true if asked about discipleship to Jesus. But it's asked whether they are good apprentices of a person or, or a line of work is concerned, they very well might hesitate. They might say no or yes. Asked if they could be better students, they probably would say yes. And all this falls squarely within the category of being a disciple or an apprentice. For to be a disciple in any area or relationship is not to be perfect. One can be very raw and incompetent beginner and still be a disciple. And that's what the scriptures are teaching us. They're teaching us that a disciple isn't one who has it all together. Disciples are raw. They, they might break something. They might mess something up. They might hurt someone. But they're learning to be Christ-like. They're learning to follow. They're learning to follow Christ. You see, being a disciple is much like being an apprentice. It means learning from our mistakes. And notice that if we learn from our mistakes, it means that we're, we're more than likely making some. And so I can assure you that as an auto mechanic, I made numerous mistakes, right? I broke a number of things. I tore up a number of cars. People probably had to wait extra long. If you ever took your car to the shop that I worked at, I probably need to apologize to you um, because it probably took me forever to fix your car. But I learned from my mistakes. I grew as a mechanic. And the scriptures are teaching us that being a follower of Christ is much the same way. Yes, we're raw. Yes, we're incompetent. Yes, we're students. But we're learning from our mistakes, right? It's not to just say, oh, I made a mistake or I messed up. It's not to recognize our mistakes, but it's allowing them to be lessons for us. Right? I like to say that this way. We don't make mistakes in vain. Right? Mistakes can be made in vain if you don't learn. They're just a waste of time. But mistakes can be productive if we learn from them, if we allow them to speak to our lives and shoot us in a different direction or head us in a different direction and, and set boundaries and, uh, and things in our lives so that we don't continue to make the same mistake. You see, the way Jesus made disciples is in many ways similar to my apprenticeship. 
And, and when I look at this, the scriptures, when I read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I look at the way Jesus made disciples, I see at least four stages in the way Jesus made disciples. Just as there were four stages in my apprenticeship, I see four stages in the way that Jesus made disciples. The first that Jesus did was he called people to come and see. Right, just as I was allowed in the shop to watch and see what people were doing, Jesus called people to come and see, observe my life. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. It says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting their nets into a lake. They were doing something totally different than what Jesus was about. Uh, for they were fishermen. In verse 19, he says, come follow me, Jesus said. I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their and their father and followed him. Notice they left both their boat and their father in order to follow Jesus. Right? And Jesus called them to come and see, to live with me, to travel with me, to see my way of life. Because Jesus lived by a different ethic than the, the culture surrounding him. He lived differently. He loved unconditionally. Right? He forgave radically. He was a servant leader. Although he had all the reason to have kind of um, a pride in himself because he's, after all, God in the flesh. He served others and he forgave people and he loved them deeply. And he said, come observe, come and see my way of life. A disciple is always one who comes and observes Jesus, comes and watches what he's doing. He didn't call his disciples and say, come and do this. He says, come and see my way of life. Come and follow me. The second thing Jesus did was he sat down and he taught his disciples. Just as my manager sent me over into this corner to read these books and learn how to work on cars, Jesus sat down with his disciples and he taught them the principles that were behind his way of life. It wasn't just, this is what Jesus is doing, let me imitate it. It was, this is what Jesus is doing, now let me tell you why. And he explained his life to them. He explained the reason. He explained God's will for people. And so not only did he say, come and see, but he began to teach them. There's this wonderful section of scriptures in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it begins this way in Matthew 5, verse 1. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowd, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And it's simply Jesus sitting down with his disciples and teaching them what it looks like to live for God, to live a life that honors God. And I love the way this section ends because he teaches them. And this is recorded in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I encourage you to read that. And we'll probably do a sermon series on it sometime in the near future. Um, but he says this uh, at the end. It says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority not as their teachers of the law. 
And so they were amazed at Jesus because he taught them the ways of God, what God intends for human lives. And so the scriptures are calling us to come and see and to see who Jesus is, but then also to listen to his teachings, to learn from him, just as the disciples learned from him, not to just act, but to learn why it is we're acting a particular kind of way. And that can only happen as we read the scriptures and as we study them and engage them. And I like to say this as well. Um, On Sunday morning, this... this, let me see, how should I say this? This should not be our only time that we open the scriptures, right? Sunday morning should not be the only time that we, that we read the scriptures. I like to think of, of my job, if you will, as, as being one that unleashes you to read the scriptures. We open it on Sunday morning and we study it and we, we open it in my prayers that it remains open throughout the week. My prayer is that this causes you to dig deeper into the scriptures and to go deeper and to gain knowledge of who Jesus is. And that's what Jesus called his disciples to do is he he says, come and follow me. Now go deeper into who I am. Sit and listen to me teach. Read what I've what I've shared with you, what I've revealed to you. The third thing Jesus did with his disciples is he called them to participate in what he was doing. He gave them a little bit of authority, a little bit of responsibility to actually act and to represent Jesus. So he sent them out. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Jesus called his disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. In other words, just as Jesus was doing, the very things that he was doing, he sent his disciples out to do the same. This verse we talked about in the first week of this series in Matthew chapter 14 and then, I mean, John chapter 14. And then uh, last week we talked about it again in John chapter 14 where Jesus says, um, not only what I've been doing will you do, but even greater things will you do. That's what he says to his disciples, right? He gives, he allows us to participate in his work. He calls us to be participants, to begin to learn, to begin to put our hands to work in this world. Right? A lot of people have this perception, and I run against this all the time, and even I had this perception for a long time, and that was that I had to mature spiritually to a certain level before I could actually do the work that God was calling me to. But the reality is we mature as we work. It's different than the auto shop where they wanted me to reach a certain level where I had reached this level, and now maybe you can... You can, you can come over and look at this car, right? I'm over here sitting in a dark corner. You can come look at this car, right? No, Jesus is saying, put your hands to work for me. And as you learn, continue to put your hands to work for me. And as you learn what you learn, do that, right? All the while you're working. And so he calls his disciples to participate, to be participants in his work. And then the fourth thing Jesus did is he sent his disciples to go and do the work that he had been doing. In Matthew 28, and this is a popular scripture, is often referred to as the Great Commission. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus sent his disciples. He says, go and make disciples. Um, 
And then in John, I love this verse. It's not going to be on the screen, nor do I have it here. But in John chapter 17, Jesus says, As the Father sent me, so I send you. It's a powerful message. Jesus is saying, go do the work that I've been doing. He unleashed his disciples. You see, discipleship is always going from come and see to go and do. That's what a disciple is. It's one who's moving from come and see, come and watch, come and observe, to go and do, engage in my mission, do the work that I've been calling you to do, that I've been showing you how to do, that I've been teaching you. The work that you were created to do. You see, Jesus did incredible things with these disciples. The neat thing, I think, is that these guys were fishermen to begin with. Jesus didn't walk into a synagogue, into a, a, a religious place. He, did, he didn't go into a, an academy of sorts or, or educational institution to find these people that have already been refined. But he goes to the shore And he calls out to some guys who are out on their boat fishing. Now, fishermen were rough, right? We kind of get this different image of fishermen today. um, Because when I think of fishing, I think about sitting on a five-gallon bucket with a cooler of soda or something good to drink. Maybe it used to be a can of Vienna sausages, right? Y'all eat those things? And some crackers, right? And just enjoy, you know, I did more enjoying the great outdoors than I did catching fish, right? That's what I think when I think fishermen, right? But these guys were not in today's world with modern technology and these sophisticated boats and all this kind of stuff, boats with cushions on them, right? These were wooden boats that they rode by hand, right? They had calloused hands. These were hard, rough bunch of guys, you know, the jokes that they make about sailors, right? These, these guys were like sailors, right? And so he says, come, come and follow me. Let me refine you. And the incredible thing is in three years, he did incredible things with these disciples. And he unleashed them. He sent them to do the work that he had been doing. And the church exists today because they learned what it meant to be a follower of Christ and they put their hands to work and they did the work that God had trained them and had taught them, that Jesus taught them how to do. They watched, they learned, they participated, and then they went and they did the work that God called them to do. Now, the, the, the thing that I want you to see here is that there was this consistent progression in the lives of a disciple. A disciple is one who's always consistently progressing, right? There, there's this, this idea that they start as fishermen, and Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to give you new work to do. And in three years, he did it. For us, it's the same, same thing, right? We, we start in one place, and yeah, a disciple is one who's rough around the edges, but being rough around the edges is no excuse for not progressing. Being rough around the edges is no excuse for not being refined. Being, being rough around the edges is no excuse because we see that Jesus went and took the roughest that he could find, the hardest men who were out there. And in three years, he helped them walk into a totally new lifestyle and sent them to do this work. And so we must learn to focus, right? And be determined because these are keys to consistent progression. Focus and determination. We have to learn to focus. The the neat thing about, or maybe not neat, 
the different thing about our lives in relation to the disciples of Jesus is that these disciples gave up everything to follow Jesus, right? They gave up their jobs. That one guy left his father, right? As he worked with his father, he said, Father, I got to go follow Jesus. They traveled with him. They lived around with him. They had developed this routine that constantly reminded them that they were followers of Jesus. They had this routine. Their lives were structured in such a way that they had constant reminders built in that this is who you are and this is what you are to be doing. In our lives, we're not giving up our jobs, right? We're not leaving our parents necessarily to, to go live with Jesus and to travel the world with him. And so there's this sense that we have to develop routines. We have to develop structure in our lives so that we can be with Jesus every day. Right? And this might mean um, uh, getting up early in the morning and reading your scriptures. So developing a routine like getting up and reading the Bible or before you go to bed, reading the Bible so that you're reminded that you are with Jesus, that you are walking with him and that you're a follower of Jesus. This might look like taking a walk through your neighborhood and reflecting on the day and praying while you walk, but spending some time out of your day that reminds you that you are with Jesus, that you are a follower of Jesus. Right? This might look like having a devotional time with your spouse or, or, or a friend or, or meeting weekly at a coffee shop with somebody and studying the scriptures, developing some kind of routine so that you're reminded um, that you are with Jesus and that you're following him. Because what happens all too often is if we don't have this structure built into our lives, we find out that we forget that Jesus is with us and that we're followers of Christ. And then we have to realign ourselves. For the disciples, yeah, they had this built-in reminder. They had given up their jobs. They had restructured their whole lives around Jesus. They were following him. Um, for us, we need to build in a structure. Now, at Tri-City Church, we're committed to making disciples in the way of Jesus. Right, as a church, we have a discipleship strategy. It has four stages. Just as for me, uh, apprenticeship had four stages. Um, just as for Jesus, discipleship had four stages. Here, discipleship has four stages. We like to say invite, gather, grow, and go. Right? We value being a place where you can invite your friends, where you can bring them here, where you can, um, you can ask them, invite them, challenge them, call them to come and see. Now, that means that we have to be a community that represents Christ because we're calling people to come and see, to hear about Jesus, to come and see him in his scriptures, but also to come and see him in this community as we are people called to live like Christ and we represent him. And so as people come in the doors, the question is, is it Jesus that they're seeing? We value this inviting, this calling, this coming and see. And so we have to be careful to be sure that the scriptures are calling us to be a community that represents Christ. So that when we invite people, they come and see and they experience Jesus. The second thing that we, we value at Tri-Cities Church is gathering. We believe that the gathering is ex essential to being a follower of Christ. That we gather so that we might grow, right? We gather so that we might encourage one another. We gather not so we can check it off on a list of things that we've accomplished. And I've went to church this week. I'm in good with God, but we gather because of the benefit it has in our lives and that it's preparing us 
to go and ultimately to do. Right? And so we value growing. We believe that you grow as we gather and as we put our hands to work for God. And so we value spiritual maturity. We believe that every follower of Christ, no matter how long you've been following Christ, should be growing in your faith, maturing spiritually, and then going. We value going. We believe going out. We don't want to be a church that simply focuses inside these walls, but out there. And so we value going out and actually doing the work that God is calling us to. And our mission is to simply help people join God's mission in their communities. The reality is that everyone has multiple communities that they're involved in. So when I say community, I'm not just talking about your neighborhood. I'm talking about whatever circle of, of people you find yourselves around. And God is calling you to those people. And there's an essential missional question that we can ask ourselves. And that's in this community, whether that's at work, whether that's at home, whether that's with your friends. How can I best honor God? How can I best honor God and benefit the lives of these people that I'm with? That's what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ. To go from come and see to living this life that honors God and benefits those who are around us, blesses those who are around us. As a church, that's our focus, making disciples of Christ, people who not just come and see and are filled with knowledge, but people who are willing to go out and live for Christ and to do his work every day. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for, um, for the scriptures that you've given us a chance to open them that we can see what it looks like to live a life that goes beyond belief. God, that's the life we want to live. Um, a life that's not just uh, stuck in one place, that's stagnant or, or static, but a life that's active, a life of partnering with you for your mission. God, please help us to do that. Please help us to continually be challenged by your word. Uh, not just challenged by it, but changed by it that the life of Christ might become our life and the hands of Christ might become our hands and the feet of Christ might become our feet so that when we sing that song, where you go, I go. What you say, I say. What you do, I do. As we sing that song, may that be legit. May that be who we are. May that be a reality in our lives. God, please continue to change us and make us and mold us. Help us to move from coming and seeing to going and doing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.